Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, Emmy fans. The awards are just weeks away, and we have got three of the top industry pundits here to help us figure out who's going to win these things. We've got Jazz Tanke from Variety. We have Jen Cheney from New York uh, Vulture. We have Eric Deggins from National Public Radio, and I'm Tom O'Neill from Gold Derby. And Jazz, you before we get into the nominees and who's going to win, you, you'd like to voice a little uh, a strong views on who isn't in right the girls five ever snub how dare you I, mean, <laughs> it really is. I was so surprised that that didn't get in um because to me it seemed like there was a surge of love for this show like at the last minute and I generally thought it was going to get it so that's my my um Emmy voters what did what happened there moment um also, Zoe's Extraordinary, never mind, forget that. Yeah, <laughs> go there, because uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is a show that they had said they were canceling, now they might bring back. This is a show where this award matters because it might very well be that uh, the show could be saved by the Emmys. It's got a lot of nominations in these secondary categories and uh, you know so, some biggies too, but uh, going back to Girls 5 Ever a second ago, a Tina Fey show not getting nominated in a top ten. Uh, no. Kimmy Schmidt yeah. was nominated its first year, and it had just debuted weeks earlier what, at, before Emmy season ended. Yeah, and also Girls uh, Club is actually a comedy, and as opposed to some of the shows in this category, that I would say that categorization is a bit questionable. Um, you know, I I like a lot of things about Cobra Kai, but it. I don't come for the laughs necessarily, and yet it's nominated for outstanding comedy. Which not is a laugh funny. a minute for you? No, not usually. No. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think Peacock should invest in uh, in free subscriptions for Emmy voters <laughs> so they make sure that people actually <laughs> right. see the shows because I think that might be uh, part of the problem. Um, for me, as far as snubs goes, you know, we knew that limited series was going to be a bloodbath. And so with, with only five uh, uh, slots there for nominations, uh, a lot of great shows got left out, including uh, Small Axe and uh, It's a Sin and um, The Undoing. And so, um, you know, it, and, and as far as The Undoing goes, you know, Nicole Kidman to not get uh, nominated, I thought, was a, was a tremendous snub. And then you look at uh, Master of None. Uh, you know, this was a show that... Um, you know, some people thought, I thought, um, had, had turned in a pretty interesting season. Uh, but, uh, you know, you wonder if maybe all the controversy around Aziz Ansari uh, and these Me Too allegations from years ago, um, you know, may have made people decide uh, that they didn't want to, to nominate that show for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Another performance from that show that was, I was surprised it didn't get anything was Naomi Aki. I thought she was just wonderful in that season. 
But, you know, the snub that outraged me more than anything is not nominating Ethan Hawke for the good Lord Bird. I just, I don't understand what happened. Uh, It was one of the most extraordinary performances I saw all of last year. I think maybe even a career best for him. I I thought, okay, I know that's going to be nominated. He's going to be nominated. He was like number one on my list of predictions. And then he wasn't even in there. Uh, And I I just, again, I don't know. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I hate when that happens. When you have like a shoe in and then they don't get it. (laughs) But he was everywhere. It's not like he wasn't doing anything or he wasn't in voters' faces. That show, you know, Showtime did a great job of getting, making sure eyes were on, you know, Ethan's performance. And like you, I think everybody had, a lot of people had him in their predictions and come nomination one, I was like, huh? What, what, what just <laughs> happened? Like yeah. the shoe-in is not a shoe-in. You know what, let's go back a second to what something Derek had just said a moment ago, which is you know, X uh, uh, TV network or producer or whoever's uh, funding the Emmy campaigns really have to invest in, in paying for memberships for their members to see it. They have to give out complimentary uh, subscriptions. And uh, often if you're wondering, uh, and I, I, I can tell you off the recording here, some of these <laughs> do not offer free memberships to, um, uh, to the voters. And you'd be surprised. And then, of course, they don't get a lot of Emmy nominations. And But you're allowed to give them like a six-month free window. You're not allowed to give away a whole, I don't believe, for a whole year, um, according to the rules. But you can give them free, you know, easy access. And that, I think, is the problem with Girls 5 Ever and others. And that is that uh, they didn't they, they didn't know where to find Peacock ne- Network. Now, they, they're a streaming platform for Emmy voters to go to. And you, see all, you can see all the shows there. And all the performances, but it's not convenient. And it's it, anyway. That said, let's go oh. to Eric's other, or was it Jen's earlier comment about limited series? This is the most competitive and fascinating race. <clears throat> the five nominees, WandaVision. Uh, that's fantastic, but it's it's not typical Emmy fair because it goes into that fantasy realm. Uh, Mara of Easttown uh, with Kate Winslet, of course. Uh, we've got um, I May Destroy You, which is the critical darling here and the, and the edgy uh, uh, show. Underground Railroad, which was nominated for limited series, but is kind of shut out uh, more or less from the acting categories. And I have a theory about that uh, in a second. And then the Queen's Gambit has led this race at our prediction, among our predictions, not just for the experts, but for the users, all season and now it's very vulnerable. Uh, other shows are catching on there. Um, I have the Queen's Gambit out front right now because I'm a coward. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to change it to. <laughs> what do you guys think? Well, that's, that's, that's as good a prediction as any, I, I think. Um, it, you know, what it, to, to, to just uh, say one other thing about the nominations, uh, this is a category that should be larger. There should be more nominations here. Um, it, it's obvious the way the industry's going that more sort of mid-level projects that normally would have been movies are now becoming limited series. And, and so this, this, uh, this area is becoming overcrowded. Good Lord Bird is another one uh, that got snubbed uh, in, in this category because there's only five slots. So if you're going to have, um, you know, what is it, eight, eight uh, for, for comedy uh, and drama series, for comedy and drama, there should be eight for limited series too. It's obvious that 
this is a category that can that can do it. Uh, I think you're right about Queen's Gambit. Um, it's it's hard to judge because so many of these came out so long ago. I mean, you know, Queen's Gambit and I May Destroy You, um, even WandaVision, um, you know, uh, came out a, a bit ago uh, compared to the the other two. Um, I, I would have thought that maybe Mayor of Easttown uh, might might be a good challenger, but I think um, you know, in my discussions at least with people, um, you know, it's a show that people like, but they but it had some significant flaws too. And I, and and I you know normally I would say Wandavision, but I, it, it's hard for me to imagine a genre show winning, even though genre did very well in the Emmy nominations this year, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. See, I have. I'm the opposite. I have Mayor of East Town. I think for a long time I had the Queen's Gambit, but as the season went on, you know, I mean, remember everybody who's anybody owned a chessboard come you know, when that show aired because we were like in lockdown and people learned how to play it because of the show. But I don't know, my two right now is Mayor of Easttown and I May Destroy You. Like that's how I see the one, two. Uh, the Queen's Gambit is excellent, but like you said, Eric, it was so long ago and I don't see people revisiting that show. Whereas Mayor of Easttown has remained in the ether and, uh, you know, WandaVision's just, that show doesn't you know people are still singing Agatha all along because of that show so it's like there and now that I've mentioned it everybody's gonna be singing it but you know like you know that song um yeah so Mayor of Easttown it is and I agree they should extend that category to eight because I feel small acts maybe narrowly missed out I feel the undoing was probably in there too um yeah yeah, I, I, I wrote a whole piece on that same subject um, that they should expand that category. And I understand why it is the way that it is. I mean, it, it's dictated by how many submissions um, there are. And obviously there's gonna be fewer shows in limited series than there are in comedy and drama, but that doesn't mean that the quality of the shows in comedy and drama just is better because the volume is greater. In fact, that is often not the case. Uh, and, and I agree with you both that limited series needs to be made uh, larger, it's just way too overcrowded. And Jazz, I'm I'm with you. I, I think it's between I May Destroy You and Mayor of East Town. And I was thinking I May Destroy You for a while, just because I think um, I believe it was the Golden Globes that completely overlooked that, and there was a lot of blowback because of it. And I think it's just a really extraordinary series. Um, obviously, very personal for Michaela Cole, uh, unlike anything else I had seen on television last year. But um, I do think Mayor of Easttown may have a recency effect uh, because it is, as you said, still a little bit more in the ether. Uh, and now there, it sounds like I was reading something, I think yesterday they're talking about maybe having ideas for another one, which means it no, shouldn't okay. be a limited series. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but assuming it still stays one season, um, I don't know, I could, I could see that winning too. So you know, uh, They should, they should have a mechanism. They should have a mechanism for moving these series when they, because they did that with Lovecraft Country. You know, it's 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 nominated as a series, and they decided, well, we're not making any more. So technically, it's a it's a limited series. Um, Tom, I wanted to ask you though. You you have your your computer there. Um, which of these series got the most overall nominations? Do you know? No. Because to me, you know, again, I'm giving away one of my tricks, I guess, but. Uh, what I what I often do is is I just look to see 
uh, which show got the got the most nominations overall from the Emmy voters, and that tells you how popular the show is with with the Academy. And sometimes it's uh, surprising. Um, so I, I would bet, especially in this category where there's a lot of competition, that would be an important metric: which which of them got the most nominations. Well, the thing is, it's so, the the margin is so. I'm looking now is so slight. Like Wandavision got eight, Mayor of Easttown got seven, I May Destroy You got six. Mm. Like. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. not like well, the interesting about I May Destroy You is it's the uh, when we before we were on lockdown and we would run into each other at, at every of these FYC events in Hollywood, <laughs> all of us. Um, that's where you'd hear the buzz, you know, uh, they'd say, uh, oh, yeah, there's this all this revenue. <coughs> love at the Oscars, but Spotlight, that's the one I really love. Or, or you'd hear, oh yeah, this, that, but Parasite, wow. And that buzz, that is the buzz you hear behind I May Destroy You. I mean, it is that, like the coolest factor of all. And because we're not um, grouping uh, this way, uh, I, I think we may be underestimating it. Also, I think uh, to be rather rude for a moment, I think that Underground Railroad is very deserving to be in this category, but what a, I'm sorry, what a bad title. You just don't, <laughs> as I, let's just call this, oh, forget Gone with the Wind. We're just going to call this The Civil War. Everyone will love it. He said, no, no, well, no. no. You know, that, that's the name of the book. That's the name of the book that it was based on. They kind of had to use that title. No, they, 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 they could really change it. As cool, they could really change the name of the uh, they couldn't really change the name there. But but you know, the thing about the Underground Railroad though is that it is really hard to watch. And 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 really the full scope of what Barry Jenkins pulled off is not apparent until you watch about eight episodes of it. And 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 it is a punishing watch. And I think that more than anything may be what what makes it tough for Underground Railroad is that uh, a lot of people are probably gonna check out after a couple of episodes because it's very brutal. I mean, it's yeah. punishing subject matter wise, but I think the way it's filmed, a lot of it is actually quite beautiful. It's just, mm -hmm. as, you're right that it's it's something that you, you certainly don't want to binge that. You kind of want to <coughs> take your time and pause because it is hard to watch. Yeah, no, I was gonna, I, I agree with you um, because that's why James Laxton got an, a nomination in cinematography, right? Like it is beautifully shot, but to Eric's point, I, I feel like people didn't get, as far as episode maybe three or four at the most, like they missed episode 10, the final is phenomenal. If they got that far, I assure you there would have been performance nominations too. Um, but yeah, what's interesting, you know, we were talking about the number of nominations is like WandaVision has 23, including the crafts. Like I always look at the crafts, right? Mm -hmm. And Queen's Gambit has 18 and Mayor, Mayor of Easttown has 16, which is like, maybe telling who knows i don't know it, it might be that I, I give wandavision demerits though just because it's genre and maybe that's me you know like i i love i'm, I'm a i love genre and 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 uh, i want to talk about the boys getting nominated which was uh uh a wonderful nice surprise for me yeah uh but uh, but you always wonder whether or not the uh academy is going to have the guts to really pick a genre um you know series for for a big award like that Amazon did such. They did a lot of it this year, uh, you know, but but none of the boys themselves got nominated, uh, and there are a lot of you know disappointments. And these things are not consistent. Remember, the Emmys have the exact opposite voting system as the Oscars do. 
So whereas at the Oscars, uh, you vote for nominees in your peer group and then, and then for best picture uh, at the first round, the nominee choice, and then everybody gets to vote for everything in round two to decide the winner at the Oscars, which makes no sense at all, of course. If you're qualified to vote for the best <clears throat> for the second round, you should be qualified to vote for the first round. So uh, at the Emmys, the current system, and you have to really underscore that word current because it changes so dramatically every year, the voting does. Um, now it's, uh, it, it's, you vote for in your peer group and you can vote for all the program awards and that's it. But everybody gets to vote. They used to have a judging panel system, of course. So it's, um, it, it makes things a little hard, hard to predict. Since, we, since we're in this area of, of uh, movie limited series, let's keep going. So is Kate Winslet a shoo-in to win? Now, when you look historically through these uh, acting categories in movie mini, the Oscar winners always win. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it just, it just looks like an Oscar list. You'd never know it was a TV list. But then you've got breakout stars like Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, who really made a mark. And then you've got Michaela. And so, um, and, uh, and that, and those are the top three. So this, there could be some surprises. Do you think there could be some Kate Winslet fatigue here? And like, doesn't she have enough Oscars and doesn't... <laughs> No. No. <laughs> Kate, Kate Winslet is my is my um, yeah. um, my version of the Good Lord Bird guy, Ethan Hawke. Kate Winslet is my Ethan Hawke. She's my shield man. She better win. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I do feel uh, um, that Cynthia Erivo probably picked up a few Emmy votes after her Hollywood Bowl concert the other week. Um, it was packed at, and completely, you know, there were a lot of voters in the house. And I was like, well, if they weren't voting for her, I'm sure she's definitely picked up one or two after just seeing her live and singing a couple of Aretha numbers. There's any fatigue but, in the category, I think, uh, and, and no offense to her that it might be Anya Taylor-Joy fatigue just because she uh, had been winning um, awards during award season, Golden Globe, and I think she won a SAG too. Um, so uh, that might help Kate. And again, the recency effect, you know, people um, may have forgotten about the nuances of, of Anya Taylor-Joy's performance in The Queen's Gambit, but just watch Kate Winslet and Mary Town, and that may be more fresh in their minds. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if, how much it matters, but um, as much as I enjoyed Cynthia Rivo's performance, the actual uh, show is not uh, nearly as good is the other ones that it's stacked up against. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so you know, for, for for me, that's that often makes a big difference. If you have a great performance in a show that's kind of flawed, and then you have another person who turns in a great performance in a show that's really good, that's better, you know. Uh, so I think that might hurt Cynthia. Cynthia and you also have the Aretha movie coming out right now when yeah. everybody's right, voting, right. Um, which is certainly not Cynthia Revo's fault and is no, a reflection on her performance, but if people are like, "Oh, there's an, another Aretha," like, right. I don't know, it could, it could. Aretha yeah. fatigue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Aretha. There's never going to be Kate Winslet fatigue. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, the Oscar winner actors, gets the Emmy. In the actors lineup here, Hugh Grant, who's been nominated before, uh, and of course is that perfect glamorous movie star type they like. 
but has been in so many romantic comedies and the in these kinds of movies that sometimes that can hurt an actor, right? <coughs> so um but he leads the odds right now. Then we've got Paul Bettany from WandaVision, and that's a really multi-layered, uh, <laughs> uh, literally, performance. Um, and uh, Ewan McGregor as Halston. And then you get to this fascinating thing we saw happen at the Tony Awards, where we saw Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, face off against uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton. And of course, the presumption was made by all of us idiots uh, Tony uh, pundits, I'm saying, a few years ago was, oh, well, it's Lin-Manuel Miranda's going to win Best Actor. No, 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 no. Leslie Odom pulled off the upset at the uh, uh, Tonys. Could, could that happen again? Will that happen again? I'm a little skeptical of the Hugh Grant uh, presumption that he's out front. Who, what, what thoughts do you guys have? here? First of all, the, the Hamilton thing in general is just very confusing. Because, yeah, I was about to say that too. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, because it's nominated for Best Variety Special, but then you have the Actors in Limited series, and then you have a nomination for Best Direction of a TV Movie. So it's just, it's very, very uh, confusing to the average person and maybe even to the above average person as to, as to how this is broken down. Um, my sense is that uh, the two of them might just cancel each other out uh, and, and leave the field open for, for the others. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if like Paul Bettany kind of that comes in and, and yeah, wins it. I think it. a lot of people would love that. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was delightful in WandaVision. Um, I know it's a more comedic performance. It's not typical of what they tend to honor in limited series, but obviously there's a great deal of affection for WandaVision and maybe giving him an Emmy would be a way to, to reward it if they're not gonna reward it in overall limited series. Just, yeah, yeah I'm confused awesome. with this. Sorry, Eric. Yeah, <laughs> no, no I, was, I was just going to say, I mean, this category is confusing. It's like you've given Hamilton 12 nominations. Like, where are you going to reward it? Like, you're not going to ignore it. Is this way where somebody wins and who is it going to be? I think maybe Lynn could win this, but I don't know. But Paul WandaVision is stronger people love that too um and his performance is you know in vision as vision was a standout um i don't know or will the hugh grant charm factor just see him all the way through but people didn't like the ending they wanted him and was, nicole yeah. to get back together the, their characters to get back together so it's like are they gonna hold him responsible and be like you didn't get back with her or she didn't take you back. So no, <laughs> and go back to giving that support. I don't know. I'm just confused. Well, you know, if I ruled the Emmys, uh, Paul would get it. Um, but uh, I really have a sense, you know, uh, Hugh Grant has been refashioning his image away from these rom-com people and playing, you know, more layered and more, um, uh, un, uh, less admirable characters, shall we say. And so I think uh, The Undoing is kind of like the culmination of that, right? Um, we saw him in that Amazon series too, um, you know, turn in some really great work playing, a, playing a, a, a despicable character or a less admirable character. So uh, I, my money's gotta be on you for this just because he's better known. And because this is such a powerful performance from him that, that runs against 
the the typical uh, movie star image that he had years ago, uh, and I think I think he may get rewarded for that. Um, also, um, you know, I think people have seen The Undoing, uh, whereas um, you know, again with Hamilton, you know, is that going to feel old? I mean, that when did that that came out um, over a year ago, right? Um, a long time ago, but the undoing was yeah. longer ago. <laughs> let, let me explain uh, the confusion here to uh, uh, some of you viewers who are non-award um, nuts. Like, it just, was it 15 years ago or 12 years ago? And for many years and decades prior to that, the Emmys had a category for best performance in a variety special or series. Mm -hmm. And then they decided, no, we're going to get rid of that and we're going to combine it with, uh, and they changed their minds back and forth. Oh, we'll put the actors in series uh, and then like, it, and it just got to be such a mess. And as Eric had said earlier, what qualifies as a limited series in a drama series is so loosey-goosey now you can move kind of back and forth. So go back a million years ago to one of the great, great shows on on TV, which was a, a recording of a staged performance of Sweeney Todd with Angela Lansbury, Emmy's biggest loser, shame on you, TV Academy. <laughs> and, um, oh, the fellow who, who uh, George Hearn, who played Sweeney. George Hearn won the Tony Award. Uh, I believe she did too. And so suddenly they combined the category uh, for best performance at a variety special, et cetera. But, uh, and by the way, she lost to George Hearn. <laughs> um, so what happened was there is all this pressure because this is an industry award. They've got to sit down with the guilds and then negotiate what gets on the show and what doesn't. And there are 27 categories, I believe. And so this fight breaks out back and forth and guilds storm out of the, the, the room with the, when the board of governors uh, meets and says, how dare you not put my show on? Well, they just announced the other day that they were switching two categories. This, this is very telling. Switching two categories from the creative arts to the main ceremony. And guess what they added? They added variety special pre-recorded. Just like the Sweeney Todd thing, it was a... It were, were cameras on a staged production rather than a the typical feature film uh, way you do a movie. They said, oh, uh, they used to say, oh, shove that off as a variety special, or, or now they do. Um, they used to consider it to be a film at one time. Anyway, it's all very confusing. But the uh, they're moving variety special to the Emmys just so they can get uh, the Hamilton guys there, Hugh Grant. <laughs> Everybody oh on the screen, so the guilds caved behind the scenes. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, and now, all right, let's go to comedy and drama series. Let's start with comedy. Is it just a Ted Lasso sweep? And if so, why? Why not? I mean, Hacks. The sun, if you look at our charts at Gold Derby, Hacks <laughs> on this, you know, this trajectory that's a straight arrow up, but. Um, 
laughs out. Now I may be alone here, but I'm going for Emily in Paris. I just think there's a <laughs> <laughs> there's a hidden there's a silent majority out there. <laughs> the show that when nominated by the Golden Globes got them kicked off NBC. <laughs> got them kicked off NBC exactly. Oh man, uh, yeah, no, I, you know Ted Lasso is hard to beat, man. Not only yeah. was it uh, a great series, but um, during voting, the second season is out and the second season is just as good as the first. And so there's a lot of buzz around that show now because of the second season that I think will help uh, in voting for the first, um, if that makes sense. It totally does. And it, it, the way they're rolling it out too, like I think the last the last week of voting is when, um, if I'm not mistaken, episode eight of the season drops, which is a real turning point major episode. Um, yeah. You know, for those who've been watching the Olympics, they've been promoting it a lot during the Olympics. Like it's just very front of mind for people. And I think that was uh, to the extent that that was strategic and I have to believe it was on some level to put the second season out when they did. I think that was very, very smart. And and I, I think that show just really uplifted a lot of people during quarantine. And um, there's just a deep, deep reservoir of affection for it. So I, I feel like it is really hard to beat. And it continues to uplift. Like the second season is, you know, on another level. Yeah, Ted Lasso is the one to beat. It, it uh, takes a while to warm up to if you are not familiar with it. Um, it takes like up, it has such, characters are not likable. You can't tell if this guy is, an, is a total idiot or is he uh, Gomer Pyle, you know, somebody who seems like a big goofball, but everything Gomer we used to say in the old days on TV had a kind of wisdom to it, you know? Uh, the, uh, but by episode three or so, you realize you're in the hands of the masters here. Uh, the people who created this show uh, took huge creative chances and it pays off. It has such a heart to it. It has such a wisdom, it has such wonderful plot twists and turns that you get emotionally invested in a show that seems so improbable that you might like it at first um, and really kind of mocks Americans uh, from the British point of view, but boy, it steals your heart. And to the fact now that they are dropping this during Emmy voting, which is very strategic. It, when uh, networks have done this in the past, it's always it helped Mad Men a lot. Uh, Sex in the City, I remember, uh, tried, wasn't getting nominated uh, in its first or second year, but, and then started dropping the next season during June when nominations would come out just to and make sure at least it got in the, in the race and it worked and they got in and they eventually won uh, two of the actors. But um, you, you don't think Hacks has a chance? No, it's a show about show business and let's, let's go there. Gene Smart seems like, um, the Catherine O'Hara of this year, the, the veteran uh, grand dame, she's, um, is, has been many on and off the Board of Governors at the TV Academy. She's very active there. And she is just beloved in the industry. And, and it's just such a hoot. It's a, there's a lot of Joan Rivers in her character, but they deny that it's really uh, Joan. Um, but it's a scream, come on. Phenomenal performance and she is loved. They love people who stumble on the show after being recommended. Like they watch it and they fall in love with her. Um, yeah. Could she be a double win though? That's the question. Right. Right. Yeah. I think Gene Smart will do well. Uh, I don't know about uh, Hacks going up against uh, Ted Lasso. And, and I'm going to repeat the, the, uh, 
it blasphemy that I said the first time we recorded this, which is uh, I think the one flaw with Hacks is that I don't think Gene Smart's character is funny when she's on stage as a standup. I think uh, the things that they say to each other um, in the course of the show is much funnier than anything she says on stage. And the point of the character is not necessarily that she's not funny, it's that she's old fashioned. And, and, and uh, Joan Rivers was certainly like that. You know, she, I, I never thought Joan Rivers was not funny, but you did have a sense at some point that her style of comedy was maybe uh, a yeah, little old fashioned. Worst belt insult humor, right? It, it, old fashioned exactly, in another way, exactly. by the way. And I don't, think they quite, I don't think they quite nailed that uh, with, uh, with, with the show. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, that's a level of detail that I'm sure won't matter to the voters, but, uh, but I do think that's one reason why Ted Lasso is the superior show. I think everything on that show works in a way that, that you can't really say that about any other comedy that it's up against. I, I will say this. Say, uh, Joan Rivers' apartment, you know, which she sold for what uh, her estate did for zillions of dollars, uh, was right around uh, 61st and 5th Avenue. And it was this spacious, magnificent place that was decorated like it was for Louis the 14th. I mean, it was this old, talk about old school. I mean, Joan was so old that I worked with her for 12 years on some of those red carpet shows on E and I uh, got to know her a bit. And she had a, a little touch of the old fashioned in her. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun that this character does too, but um, it's a great pair. I will say, I will say Hacks was funnier than Cobra Kai. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, Cobra Kai, what is that doing? Emily, Emily in Paris was funnier than Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are saying, nope, no, uh, all saying smart. What about, you know, you can go back four weeks ago at Gold Derby and the presumption among the uh, our voter base the, across the board, including all Derbyites, was that Kaylee Cuoco would finally get an Emmy. Uh, right. Uh, of course, the former star of the, uh, the Big Bang Theory. And uh, that started out front and then Gene Smart uh, really took off. Uh, Allison Janney, of course, is an Emmy magnet, she, but she hasn't won in a while. And uh, Tracy Ellis Ross uh, is way overdue. Uh, could there be some surprises here? No. That's all I'm going to say. I know you're right. That's fair. But I, I just, I do think for all the reasons we've talked about that Gene Smart seems just too formidable to overcome in this category. Uh, I think if there is some sentiment to want to give Hacks best comedy, but can't overcome Ted Lasso, I think there will be enough votes for her to win in the, in the lead actress category. Um, I, I would be very surprised if that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree. And 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 mm -hmm. flight attendant. That's another one that was. Uh, it feels like it was an eon ago that that thing aired. So uh, I think I think uh, the fact that Hacks and Ted Lasso are better shows and uh, aired, you know, more recently, that's going to be difficult for them. To and they're funnier shows, uh, and that really matters when you look back through the uh, history of the Emmys. They really want their comedy to be funny. <clears throat> So when you when you start putting these very there are some exceptions like Ali McBeal won right I mean which had a, had a touch of seriousness to it there are some exceptions but in general they want these slapping comedies and performances uh, to win there so uh, comedy actor Jason Sudeikis I think of course has this in the bag uh, 
absolutely every one of our experts, every one of our editors uh, all have him as a slam dunk. Uh, but Michael Douglas is there in second place, a very distant second place. Uh, and then Keenan Thompson's got a couple of nominations this year. This nomination here in this category is for his own show. Um, what happens here? Can anybody take Jason down? I, I love Keenan, but man, he can't. I mean, that, 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 that sitcom is just, mm. it, it's so typical. You know what I mean? I, I love him to death, but, but that, he, no, but no one should win an Emmy for anything on that show. So uh, I think we're talking, I think we're talking uh, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Same. Signed, sealed, and delivered. In the comedy categories, Hannah Waddingham, of course, is uh, one of the most intriguing characters on TV. Uh, when I interviewed her for the first time during this Emmy season, she roared. I, I intimated uh, about the dark side of her character. She's so devious and diabolical while she's plotting the secret revenge against her ex-husband. That's the driving force behind the premise of the series of why she would want this, this soccer team so she could ruin it and crush the heart of her ex-husband. Um, uh, she, because she ended up with the uh, soccer team in the divorce split. And as evil and diabolical and selfish and awful as she can be, there are these moments of, of, of wonderful warmth and heart and empathy that come out in her. And more and more and more and more and more throughout uh, the, uh, the season until there's such a kind of rich emotional complexity to her character that you all of a sudden start um, really, really rooting for this character. And all of a sudden there's this magic that happens between uh, Jason Sudeikis' uh, marriage busting up while this show starts with her dealing with her marriage busting up and the bonding that happens between them. By the way, I asked Bill Lawrence, the co-creator of this show, twice, are, are they going to fall in love? Are, 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 are you going to take a gamble here? And he refused to answer the question. So I think we know where that's going. <laughs> well, what's interesting about the current season of Ted Lasso is that they play with that in one of the storylines. I'm not going to uh, yeah. reveal it because it's a huge spoiler, but, uh, but they play with that. One thing I'll say about Ted Lasso, though, is that they always make you think the story's going one way and then it goes somewhere else. So um, I would actually be surprised if they, if they brought the two of them together anytime soon. Um, but you're right, she's amazing in that role. Um, and uh, again, I think it's gonna be that effect where she's, you know, that character's featured more in the second season and we see more of um, her internal complexity in the second season just as people are voting on the first season. So I, I think she may, she may benefit a lot uh, from people seeing the second season and voting uh, you know, at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think a few weeks ago when we originally recorded this, I would have had Hannah Einbinder. Like it's really, where are we with the case of the two Hannahs? But <laughs> the second season of Ted Lasso is truly phenomenal and for her character and it's gonna give her the edge as voters consume the series. By the way, I'm taking a little ribbing here, uh, everybody, because we did record this <laughs> Predictions <laughs> Life Fest a week or two ago and I screwed up the recording of it. So we're doing it again. 
do since we're, we're struggling to remember. <laughs> yeah, what did I say the last time? What did I say last time? Have I changed my mind? What is, what is going on here? It's easy for me. No. I'm so mad about Ethan Hawke, so I just keep repeating that. <laughs> anyway. I know, just keep channeling that rage. The two hands. I was thinking that, that could be a, that could be a Woody Allen movie. The two hands. <laughs> in the supporting actor category, this is where we. Ha- this is really intriguing. Here we have four Ted Lasso uh, nominees. You know, we have um, uh, Brad uh, Brett Goldstein. We have Brendan Hunt. Uh, we have uh, Nick Muhammad, and we have uh, the Higgins character, uh, uh, Jeremy Swift. And unfortunately, we have Jeremy like second from below. And I want to make a few observations here. This is the one cat. The supporting comedy characters traditionally have been the more silly and ridiculous. Going back to Don Knotts, and then going through the years to like Will Hayes. Uh, Will Hayes um, uh, from uh, Don Hayes. Yeah. Sean Hayes, thank you from Will and Grace. Um, and, and the more goofball characters uh, do well here. And of these characters, the silliest is Jeremy Swift. I'm personally rooting for Jeremy. I realize That'd be that, awesome. uh, some of these other characters may have a bigger fan base. But under the old voting system at the Emmys, if you were nominated against a co-star, you had a much better chance of winning because in the old days, there were small little juries composed of 50 to 75 volunteers from the acting branch who would watch an episode submitted by of the uh, five nominees. You were restricted to four categories in order to, to lighten your workload so that to make sure you actually watched those DVDs, you were permitted two in your peer group and then two program uh, uh, things. And then back in the year 2000, and they, they kept changing it. Now it's a popular vote. Now all 2,000 members of the acting branch can vote for all the acting categories. And you know they haven't seen all the nominees, et cetera. So under the old system, when you saw the stars of uh, Modern Family win every year, and they did, it was because, Eric Stone Street won twice, for example, it's because they would get three or four co-stars nominated and the voters saw three or four performances by Eric uh, Stone Street. And then if you were alone in your category with your show, not up against a co-star, uh, you, you're getting one performance to three or four performances by the others. It, it really had an effect. So it often helped the, when you were nominated against a co-star. Now it's a popular vote and everybody can vote. And so now vote splitting can happen, which it couldn't happen under the old system. So suddenly that's a factor, um, you know, who's doing very well in our uh, predictions here is, let me scroll up a second here. Um, well, Keenan Thompson leads for uh, Saturday Night Live and then Bowen Yang for Saturday Night Live comes in second. And then you have, these are our experts odds, uh, which are different from, you know, we have many different sets of odds, but I'm, just dealing with the 21 experts uh, for right now for Gold Derby. And then Brett Goldstein of the Lasso characters of the, of the stars is the leads. And then Brendan Hunt right after him in, in descending order. Uh, who's really going to win here? I, you know, I, what you said before about um, the idea that when you have other cast members nominated, it does enable people to see maybe more of everybody's performances, um, which is intriguing. But 
I, I do worry about the Ted Lasso people splitting um, and, and, you know, not having not one of them necessarily get the momentum. And honestly, like I, I'm kind of pulling for Bo and Yang. Um, I think he's fabulous on Saturday Night Live. I think uh, he, he doesn't get used nearly as much as he should. I think just his performance as uh, the iceberg from Titanic alone is an Emmy worthy <laughs> piece of, of, of comedy. So um, it would be exciting for him, but now Keenan Thompson has never won. Am I mistaken about that? I don't hmm. know. I don't remember. Hmm. I, I, I thought like maybe he, he had. Did he? I thought, I thought maybe he had. Okay. I, 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 I can't remember. If he hasn't won, that's a really compelling case for him. But um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bowen Yang wins. That would be awesome if Bowen uh, won. You know, technically, he's. I think he's a, still a featured player, which is right. the one step down from being, you know, sort of in the main cast, uh, a repertory player. So... That, that would be even more awesome for him to, for him to win. Um, you know, I, I think, Jen, last time we, we um, taped this, you, you brought this up. Um, you know, you're wondering, like, how, how much are the Emmy voters actually seeing that they're nominating so many people from the same shows in some of these categories? Um, you know, Ted Lasso is great, um, but, but to have that many people from the show get nominated and supporting categories. I mean, almost every, um, every significant actor in that show got nominated, I think. Um, so, so that, that, I mean, as good as that show is, I'm not sure any show deserves that level of Emmy nomination, <clears throat> given the quality of everything else out there. Now, I think that's a little bit of an indication that comedy is a little weaker than drama this year. But, uh, but still, um, I, I, I was surprised by how many people from Saturday Night Live and, and uh, Ted Lasso got nominated in these supporting categories. Yeah, I think, so Jen, to answer your question, Keenan won for, not in acting, for original music and lyrics. So I think his uh, case- right. Yeah, is, I don't think he's won for SNL, which is wild. Right? I think his case is stronger. I, I don't know. I mean, I think this is where he takes <coughs> something home and does triumph over Ted Lasso. <laughs> I think yeah. people loved comedy. That's all it was, you know, it was such a depressing year and comedy, you know, people turned to comedy for, cause they wanted to laugh because the world was just a horrible place. Um, and you're not gonna forget Keenan making us laugh. Well, and also the fact that he's nominated for his sitcom, which as Eric has pointed out is not not maybe the best comedy on television, um, but the fact that he's nominated for that and for SNL, I think demonstrates a, a, a level mm -hmm. of respect and, and affection for him. And that having both of them and not giving it to him for his sitcom might give him an edge in this category to finally say like, hey, let's reward him. Cause uh, you know, he hasn't said he's gonna leave Saturday Night Live, but there's gotta be a point where he's gotta leave. <laughs> he, he says he wants to do 20 years. Yeah, right. Okay. 20 seasons. Last so year, we be, saw uh, something ha happen at the Emmys that we'd never seen before, uh, ever in the history of an award that dates back to the late 1940s. And it is a show sweeping every single major category. We saw Schitt's Creek won you know, all the acting awards, writing, directing, and series. And it's happening because of the new popular vote system they've got, which... Uh, 
is stupid in my view. You have these sweeps like you saw at the Oscars with Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, where it won what absolutely every single category it was nominated in. And I'm sorry, of, of all the, of all the uh, Emmys, Schitt's Creek is brilliant and deserved the, uh, the embrace of the Academy last year, but it didn't deserve to win all of those categories. And I don't care how much blowback I get for saying this, Annie Murphy has no business with an Emmy for that role as just the silly ditzy, you know, kind of uh, uh, airhead character that cliche that we see, but they got carried away. Now on the drama side, we could see it happen again. Uh, and this time for the crown. The crown could actually take, I think, virtually every main category. Um, it has some competition from um, The Handmaid's Tale, which remember was the very first streaming service show to be to win a series award. And Netflix still hasn't done it. It's uh, Netflix still hasn't won comedy or drama, uh, but. Uh, uh, Hulu had it uh, nailed for The Handmaid's Tale, and Amazon is one for Mrs. Maisel, et cetera. So of the streaming services, Netflix has been uh, shut out there. In second place is The Mandalorian. Now, we cannot take underestimate The Mandalorian nomination because we did that, some of us pundits, last year, and it got in for drama series. And we were like, whoa, uh, because of what Eric said earlier about genre shows. They don't take them seriously at these... Um, industry awards. I mean, Star Wars lost Best Picture to Annie Hall. Maybe that was deserved, but it probably never had a chance in, 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 re in retrospect. Uh, the Exorcist lost its year, etc. So um, what's, what's really nice about the Emmy lineup this year is that we were seeing a lot of genres, worthy genres nominated, but uh, the Mandal um, Mandalorian came through this year not only with, <clears throat> what is it, 20 nominations, of, and not only with writing, directing a series, three acting nominations for a sci-fi show? Come on. <clears throat> um, it has to be taken seriously all of a sudden. Is, oh, and then Handmaids, remember, hasn't been on for two years. It really hasn't been on the running. It's, it's sneakily got in under a, an obscure uh, ruling at the Emmys where uh, these dangling episode uh, issues. So, uh, they were allowed to submit last year in the guest categories, et cetera, but not in series, et cetera. Uh, but now it's back. And now it's back with a full season that people say, hallelujah, finally they've, they've uh, moved the plot along because it was kind of repetitive for a long time there. And Elizabeth Moss is, is as amazing, even more so than ever. So we don't know what the potential of Handmaids is here because uh, when they allowed in this strange rule ruling they had on, on the way the contest goes, when they allowed Handmaids to compete for the Crafts Awards and the Guest Acting Awards, but not the Top Awards last year, I believe it was, um, it won the, uh, it, it, it swept those, those Guest Acting categories, et cetera. So now, and that was very telling. So now it's back in full force as a, as a major contender again, I think we would be foolish to underestimate it. Um, just, just because it's kind of you know, been out there for so long. Uh, where do you guys come down on best drama series? I, I the think- The Crown. The Crown is lost three times, but right. you know, a lot of shows like uh, Game of Thrones, Friends lost 
Uh, they all won in their fifth season or their fifth nomination, I should say. So sometimes it does take a long time to win one of these things. And so the, the crown now with the, the last season is in an era that many of us lived through uh, and characters we knew and sympathized with. So uh, that kind of helps it. Anyway, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I was gonna say some of what you just said, which is, um, you know, the crown hasn't won before. I don't know to what extent some of that was maybe just um, people not wanting to give best drama to a Netflix series. Um, but, you know, I think maybe people are beyond that now. And, and as to the point you just made, um, the Princess Diana era, people, remember that very well. And it just so happened that a lot of that drama happened to dovetail with real life with uh, all the conversation around Meghan and Harry this year. So I think that gives the crown uh, a relevance and it made it feel maybe even more must-see perhaps than it had been in previous seasons. So I feel like people will have watched it and it is always a very, very well done show. Um, you know, I think The Mandalorian is really strong, but I think that you know, the, the Academy has been moving toward rewarding genre shows like that much more frequently. I mean, we've seen um, Westworld get nominations. Um, we've seen other shows in Stranger Things, which I, you know, 10 years ago, I don't think would have been nominated, but uh, it, it did get nominations. Didn't win though. Uh, so I, I feel like it'll be a tough hurdle for The Mandalorian to get over and actually win in this category. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm thinking it's gonna be the crown. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it's it's odd, uh, you know. It's if you, it's always like, what do you, what what would you say would make a show a best drama? Because if you uh, are thinking about balancing all these different creative um, areas, you know, special effects and 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 performances and storyline and impact, um, then you might say The Mandalorian because what they're achieving on that show. Is, is phenomenal. It's, 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 it's movie level, theatrical level storytelling in every episode. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the crown in terms of, um, you know, it, it, as you said, it's been around a while. It has the most nominations of any drama, I believe. Um, you know, it, it seems to be the favorite. And then, uh, you know, you, you look at The Handmaids, if I was to talk about acting and you looked at the last season of Handmaids, I feel like the performances there kind of blow everybody away. So, um, you know, what defines a best drama and, and, and how the Academy defines that, I think will tell you uh, who winds up winning. Yeah, I'm with you all on the crown. I can't, I mean, I can see that winning just because of the Princess Diana, Harry, Meghan, you know, that story, that narrative that's that's been out there whilst the they said, and you know, it still is out there. Um, I don't know if it was, I don't have it sweeping across all the categories though. Like I feel Emma Corrin was brilliant. I wonder if MJ Rodriguez though in Pose will, is a threat just because the whole narrative that surrounds MJ's historic nomination. And if they want to say something, that's the place where they can make a statement. And she's been moving up the ranks. She was not nominated last year. Um, uh, this is, we're talking about, it's a breakthrough for a transgender character to be nominated uh, in, in a lead acting role. She not only got in this year, um, she's been moving up, 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 um, uh, our charts uh, in a straight line. So she's suddenly a real threat right here. It's, it's curious to see. Billy Porter, um, 
Um, you know, one, two years ago, I was nominated last year when the show was not, but the show was nominated two years ago. And now that's got a zillion nominations. There is such a solid base and it's, it, the show is over and it's had its farewell salute across Hollywood where they've had many very touching events. They've been open uh, generously to all of us in the press constantly for really powerful conversations about the world around us, what this show meant uh, mirroring that. Um, so, but the thing to keep in mind in this category we're talking best drama series now, is that traditionally, just like the Oscar voters, the Emmy voters are snobs. And that the most um, pretentious upper crust shows like LA Law, The West Wing, Succession, these shows that, that even Modern Family on the comedy side, which won what, five times, it, it these people live in a beautiful house and they have iPads and have and all of this. So now, yeah, they're letting a lot of these genre shows uh, in, more popular shows in. Uh, but are they winning? Uh, Game of Thrones uh, has that snob appeal because it's about, about kings clashing and all of that. But yet, uh, the dragons would normally disqualify it <laughs> from winning anything. <laughs> In the old days, but it's it, there is a new day at the Emmys. We quite haven't figured out the new voting patterns, um, but I think the Crown delivers on all fronts. It is the ultimate snob appeal thing. We love the Brits. We love voting for the Brits in these show business awards. If you have a British accent, it always helps you uh, with these industry prizes. And um, as Jen and I were talking about, it's it's its recency factor and the fact that we're emotionally invested in this storyline because many of us lived through it um, means- So you're saying, uh, you're saying Ethan Hawke should have played John Brown with a British accent is what you're saying. I mean, the crown, on paper, the crown <laughs> is the kind of show that you would say, oh, that's an Emmy winning drama. Like if, if you just, pushed everything else aside it, it, to the point that it's almost surprising that it hasn't won already. It is, and I think in its first and second year, uh, we all, quite a few of us, uh, idiots like me had it winning, <laughs> but um, when it just then kept losing, we kind of gave up hope on it. Uh, and now we have a very different race in our hands. Um, yep. And it's a worthy choice. So let's go into uh, 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 Jen's favorite, uh, or no, this isn't, I was gonna say, it's drama actor. I was thinking of uh, Ethan Hawke here. He's not eligible here. Uh, Josh O'Connor <laughs> would, would, would put be- Put him in everything. Uh, yeah, exactly, that. exactly, put him in this category. He should have been nominated <laughs> for best actor in a drama. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so this is fascinating. Josh O'Connor uh, in The Crown is if he wins and he's Reggie, on, a Reggie. real solid front runner in this race according to uh, all the uh, he would be one be of the Reggie. youngest winners ever um but he's up against billy porter who um curiously uh came out with the revelation that that he was hiv positive and had been struggling with the uh, uh the aids virus uh for a long time uh, at a time during the during the final episodes of Pose as it went off the air and uh, gave touching testimonials to what it was like to live through. Um, and then we have this reggae Jean Page thing where everyone's just nuts about him. Um, 
What say ye, pundits? <laughs> I'm predicting an upset. I'm predicting oh, an upset. Reggie, John Page. Really? Uh, do we know how many Emmy voters are female? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we do know that just like at the Oscars, you know, which it used to be uh, 70, uh, or no, it used to be almost nine, close to 90% the Oscars. I think the uh, the gender breakdown at the at the Emmys is probably sixty male, forty female. Right? Oh. Well, no, uh, no, I, I'm I'm kidding a little. I mean, Josh O'Connor, of course, is the favorite, but um, I don't know. You know, if, if there's going to be an upset in all the categories we talked about, this is one where it feels right for that to me. Um, you know, I think Roger Jean Page has a constituency out there, and a lot of people like this performance um and i also think you know billy porter that's a good point i mean this is going to be the last chance that emmy has to honor him he's won before but still um you know there's a, there's a uh, the show has a momentum now that it didn't even have when he won so um you know if there's any category where there might be an upset i think it might be here i've got billy porter for right now and i'm think i'm so tempted to switch to joshua connor because Everyone else is talking me into it with all these other odds and stuff. Um, what do you, what do you ladies think? I'm with, I'm, I flip between Josh and Billy, and then I see Josh and I think Prince Charles and the personal <laughs> dislike of Prince Charles comes into the narrative, and and yeah, if I were an Emmy voter, I would. Billy Porter because that finale just was heartbreaking and I think what you were saying Tom like him coming out telling his personal story and every interview he's done has been so emotional and so yes. powerful yes. and it's just like you remember that episode um so I don't know I could see I can see Billy Ed sneaking through yeah I, I I, I'm erring toward Billy Porter at this point as well. And I think for all the reasons you've already mentioned, but also, um, you know, he he has really put himself out there for this award and and been making the rounds and, and uh, as you said, telling his personal story. Um, and this is the last opportunity to to honor his work on that specific show. Uh, and, and he's just such a, he's just such a likable, incredibly talented person who has been in the business for so long and is finally getting the recognition he deserves. And even though he's gotten some recognition from Emmys before, I think I think there is still something powerful about his story. And just his presence, he's just defiant at every industry event uh, coming out of these outlandish outfits and he gets it. Uh, uh, earlier I mentioned Joan Rivers. I remember her saying one day when we were sitting down for rehearsal for a show, uh, Lady Gaga came up as a top of, of just casual conversation. And she said, you know, that Lady Gaga, and she was new at the time Gaga was, and we didn't know whether to take Gaga seriously or not. And she said, oh no, you've got to take her very seriously. She gets it. <laughs> gets it. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, if Joan says you get it then you get it. <laughs> <laughs> and from the grave, she's right again, baby. So uh, That's right. supporting actress, Jillian Anderson cannot lose this, can she? As Maggie Thatcher in The Crown, she's up against Ann Dowd, who has won before for Handmaids, Helena Bonham Carter, 
for the crown, which I thought a lot of us did, that she, uh, her, last year was her year that she uh, could have won here. And then we have uh, Yvonne Strahovski from Handmaids. We have a lot of the Handmaids here. Uh, Samira Wiley. Um, I just think that Jillian is unbeatable. But what do you guys think? Agreed. Yeah. yeah, that's my feeling too. Yeah, me too. And then, like, I mean, it's interesting. It. Like, like, uh, like you said, if it if it had been a if it was a category where it was just actors voting, then then I would wonder about that because actors don't seem to like um, mimicry. You know, they don't seem to honor mimicry as much. But uh, you know, uh, in this case, I, I think you're absolutely right. For supporting actor, this is uh, Michael K. Williams has um, been way out front. Uh, that's uh, Lovecraft Country, of course, which is, is it still canceled? Or I think HBO is now considering bringing it back <laughs> after all the outcry and love for this show. Um, I, I, I just, I love how all these TV outlets have had to rethink all these decisions because they cancel shows and then they turn out to be popular. You know, know. <laughs> uh, you know, Lovecraft and Zoe's, and and this isn't an, an Emmy show, but Manifest. I love the idea. <laughs> they cancel a show, and then it's the top streaming show three weeks running. You know, it's like <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big Lovecraft fan, and I really hope Michael wins this one. Yeah. Why do you think he's ahead? Because there aren't any other Lovecraft uh, actors who are strong contenders here. Top contenders, I mean. Right. And, and uh, you know, obviously people are supposed to be voting based upon the show that's been nominated and that's, but I, I have to wonder if there's some people are going to, in the back of their minds, you're going, we never gave them anything for The Wire. Oh yeah, we never gave The Wire anything. So maybe if that'll be a factor as well. Use your nice. career, Emmy. Yes. Yep. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? And Lovecraft should win one major award. I, I don't think has much of a chance in any other category, so. Uh, I have to confess that uh, deep down, I'm, I'm really a little old lady who could watch Titanic a hundred times and cry a thousand times. <laughs> and uh, of all the weepies on TV, Outlander, I just, just love Outlander. Bias, <laughs> Menzies here, it was none of the Outlander stars um, ever had a chance at the Emmys, but uh, Tobias, uh, who plays dual roles on uh, Outlander, had a huge, fan base. And here he's nominated now uh, for the crown. And he's great on the show. He's great on the show. I mean, I, yeah. I think he does a wonderful job. Um, it's just, uh, it's just one of those kind of understated roles, I think. Um, so, but, but yeah, I agree. You know, if he won, I would be happy. He, he deserves it. He's in a fairly mm -hmm. second place. And then there's this thing among us journalists for Giancarlo Esposito. You know, I've, uh, God, every single time we run a an awards prediction event and he's nominated, everybody, all the experts vote for him, and he's never won this, has he? I don't think. And uh, now everyone's saying, oh, he's, he's, he's going to win for the Mandalorian, and uh, he's he's up for something else as well elsewhere. That's not going to happen, is it? Or or is or is it finally? the buzz building it on his behalf. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, lo I love him as an actor. I think he's terrific. I, I don't know if the, 
his work on the Mandalorian is the one that's gonna push him over the top necessarily. Um, he's, he's had other roles that I think, um, particularly on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul that are uh, more standouts in my mind. Yeah, he should, he should have won for Gus Ring a, a while ago on Saul, uh, frankly. Um, and, I, and I think uh, it's, it's possible that we might, um, you know, hopefully in the future seasons of Saul, we might see him, uh, you know, win for that role, which is really what he should, uh, should win for. Um, he's, he's, he's like amazing in these little things. He's also on Godfather of Harlem. You know, he does yeah, a good yeah, job, yeah. you yeah. know, uh, there. Um, uh, playing Adam Clayton Powell, so you know that that's one thing about him. He's just everywhere. He does. He does. He's like uh, Courtney B. Vance in that way. You know, <laughs> both of those guys. They're they're everywhere, and every role they play, they always kill it. Talk about somebody who always um, seems to come through uh, is Bradley uh, Whitford. He won back in the days of the West Wing. Uh, he won, I believe, is it twice now for Handmaids and that, that odd year I just described of where the Emmys decided, oh, no, the show and the actors and the writers and the directors can't compete at the Emmys, but the crafts can and the guests can. <laughs> he won. Bradley won. So, again, even when the show was disqualified above the line, but a lot, you know, it made no sense. That's the power of Bradley Whitford, and he's nominated here for Handmaids. And then so is another Emmy darling who's got um, so many Emmys on his fireplace mantle that if he adds one more, his house will sink, is John Lithgow. So um, <laughs> what an interesting race here because um, the odds and the voting among, among the, the various pools uh, that we have at Gold Derby, the experts, the editors, the top 24, and then all users, Michael K. Williams is way out front, but there are a lot of serious threats right here. Yeah, I mean, John Lithgow is, was terrific on Perry Mason and he is, to your point, um, a, a rightfully beloved um, actor who, who uh, you're never wrong to bet on him, even if you, it, it's a good, it's a good solid investment. <laughs> um, but I do think they're gonna, as Eric said, they, they're gonna wanna give something to Lovecraft Country. And, and this is maybe the, the category where it's most obvious to do it. Um, I also feel like Perry Mason, I think you know he was nominated, Matthew Reese was nominated, but the show uh, more broadly didn't get the same kind of recognition. And I think that might hurt John Lithgow's chances there. Yeah, yep. it's the lifetime Emmy for Michael Lovecraft. Let's hope not. He's pretty young. <laughs> Sorry, John. Show, you know, that with Career this Delta variant, uh, uh, variant of the virus going around and is so super contagious and so much more harmful than the first strain. Um, I think we would all agree that of all the major show business awards, uh, the, the one that really managed to surprise us and put on a good show without the, the audience and the rest of it was the Emmys last year of all things. Jimmy Kimmel nailed it. It was really quite entertaining. Now, um, the plan now is I think that there's, they're hoping to go back to the Nokia theater and, and have some people in there, et cetera, uh, and socially distancing and vaccination proof and all of that. 
but they may have to make another change now because this is such a rising threat, right? Um, but the Emmys have proven in the past that they can transcend this, whereas other award shows bombs uh, because of it. The Oscars, you know, were okay. Um, but anyway, what, what do you think uh, happens if all of a sudden they have to just throw everything up in the air here and say, oh, here we go again? Well, I, they've proven ahead, they sorry, could I do know. it. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say they've proven they could do it. So uh, hopefully I'm sure, uh, it wouldn't be too disruptive. Yeah, I'm sure they have a backup plan. Like there's like, they're seeing the reports and they're like, you know, and we're not going down, we're actually going up and continuing to go up. And like Eric said, they've proven they can do it. And I don't doubt that they'll be able to, if it's not downtown, that they'll pull off something amazing. Yeah, I think they, they benefit um, not only from the experience of having gone through it once before um, virtually, but now having multiple awards that have gone through it and they've seen all kinds of different approaches. Um, whereas last year they were kind of the first to, to give it a shot. Um, so I, I don't worry about them, you know, making adjustments. I, I do think that regardless of whether it ends up being completely in person or, or a hybrid form of that, I, I do worry about who who is even paying attention. Um, the ratings on award shows have been down, uh, and I don't know that. More, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know even as we start to recover if that's going to change very much. Um, I think it's been hard to get. I mean, just looking at the Olympics, for example, it's just hard to get people to watch broadcast television. Period, uh, unless it's the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that pattern has of <clears throat> of deserting broadcast TV has played out we've seen dramatically on um, at these award shows there have been many years several years at least at the Emmys where a broadcast show was not even nominated among them the nominees for best drama series uh, it took the Emmys so long if, you, if you're just curious about this historically to break into the Emmys that the, the cable ace award had to be created because cable was not permitted to compete uh, throughout the 1980s um, remember, uh, I believe uh, Michael Jackson's it was a thriller uh, video, um, or one, one of his videos when um, um, uh, in the very, very early 80s uh, uh, won a cement bunch of MTV award. <clears throat> and it just reminded that that milestone reminds me that cable was a real major force in the early 80s and was disqualified for most of the decade by the Emmys. Just because it was the established industry going, no, you, you can't play here. No, 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 go away, go away, go away. So this Cable Ace Award came along and mimicked the voting processes of the Emmys. Finally, the Emmys caved in, okay. And they let in some of the cable networks. And then HBO, of course, was led the way with so much of an investment in um, campaigning uh, that was based, and I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you, the reason that this, this um, fortune was thrown all over town uh, for campaigns for HBO when cable was first admitted to this contest was because in large part, the executives sal uh, bonuses were based on nominations <laughs> and wins. It's true. And um, it was largely, wow. <laughs> yes. So they, they, they were like, um, just spend, spend, spend. And that made everybody else spend. And, th and then cable started winning and, and, and actually doing okay at the Emmys. Now we have streaming services. 
they got in kind of right away. I mean, um, uh, Maisel and, and Handmaid's winning series awards uh, in the first few years of those uh, streaming services existence was remarkable. But this year might be really interesting if Lasso and The Crown sweep. We have two streaming services uh, that uh, will have swept. It'll be historic. Uh, and we have to admit COVID is part of it. With people being homebound, you, you uh, binge these shows and it's a much richer viewing experience to be able to do that, don't you think? Whoops, sorry. Well, what, what's interesting to me about this is um, the, the, the Emmys, has, the last Emmys had the best ratings performance of the recent um, award shows that were televised. And, and one reason I think that's happening is because unlike the Oscars, the shows that are nominated for Emmys are shows that are, that are popular with a lot of viewers. Um, you know, a, a lot of people are talking about Ted Lasso. A lot of people were talking about The Mandalorian when it was on. A lot of people were talking about uh, Queen's Gambit when it was on. So people have heard of these shows. It's, it's, it's not like the Oscars where so many films were nominated and, and, and uh, major contenders that people hadn't seen or didn't know that much about. Um, so I think that's one thing that might work in the Emmys favor. Uh, but my sense is that viewers are, are kind of tired of award shows and uh, I'm not spec expecting great ratings for this year's Emmys, but I am expecting them to do better um, than maybe some of the other award shows that we've seen. Especially without any Golden Globes. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> final thoughts. Does any, do any of you guys have any final thoughts about this Emmy race? Uh, this is not like what we've covered off through the years in the past, but it's historic what's happening around us in the world and with uh, media. And it's exciting in a way to be in the middle of it all and trying to figure it out uh, at all at a time when uh, we are talking about um, singling out greatness in the most powerful medium in the world, television. It's an important job. It's, uh, these awards exist as a filter to future uh, people who are looking back over that all of this volume of television over the decades and saying, what, what matters, what should win? And that's why these awards do matter. They also matter for syndication and, and uh, uh, a lot of other, other reasons. Some of the greatest shows in TV history were saved because they won Emmy Awards from Cheers to Hill Street Blues and Cagney and Lacey and Seinfeld and All in the Family. Uh, recently, uh, The Amazing Race um, is a perfect example of a show that was saved from cancellation because it uh, not only won one Emmy, it won them for about 20 years in a row. <laughs> but um, it is important and the Emmys matter. And um, uh, even if the viewers aren't watching, we know how important this is because uh, they're going to watch a show in Bulgaria or Kazakhstan because, oh look, it won this award. You know, uh, a perfect example of how powerful the Emmy is is that when 30 Rock, which won Best Drama Comedy Series three times, and nobody watched it on NBC. I mean, it was just dead in, in terms of viewership. NBC courageously kept going with that show, even though the ratings were terrible because they just kept winning all these Emmys. They can't, we can't cancel the show that keep winning all these Emmys. Do you know 
I've done, and I've discussed this with uh, Tina Fay herself in one of these videos you can find on our YouTube channel, that's, that uh, 30 Rock, because it hung on and it stayed there and it kept winning Emmys and the Emmys were the reason it stayed on, it has made in syndication more than $1 billion. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, that's Tina amazing. Fey's a lot richer than I thought. <laughs> well, that's what she said. Wait a minute. <laughs> Is that true? And I said, you know, yes, because I went back to old issues of Variety and wherever they would give, you know, uh, oh, a new distribution deal has just been given for Eastern, Eastern, you know, Eastern Europe for this or that show. And I just started counting up the figures one day, just finding, and, went, and suddenly when it was nearing a billion dollars, I realized there are many, many syndication deals that this has got that I don't even know about. But uh, money matters here too, because with these awards, it makes the rest of the world pay attention and history. Yeah, I mean, I think whether or not people watch, I think there's a lot of different ways in which to assess the importance of the Emmys. And I think um, maybe the biggest one, uh, and this is, has been true lately of a lot of awards, is just the, ex the extent to which they're a cultural barometer. And we look to them to see you know, how well they're representing all kinds of different voices. And more than any other uh, medium, perhaps, television is massive and it just keeps swelling and swelling uh, in terms of how many shows there are to watch. Um, and I, I, what I hope to see is, and again, best of love to you know Schitt's Creek, but I, I agree with you, Tom, that no show should dominate to that extent simply because we're in a world where there's just so much TV and so many different voices and so many different um, people worthy of representation. So what I hope is that um, we see the love being spread around a little bit uh, on Emmy night and, and really seeing uh, all kinds of different um, shows and, and individual achievements being recognized. Jazz, any final thought? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with everybody. I would like to see the love spread because the wealth of the quality that TV uh, gave us last year was incredible. You know, like, the content um, was as good as, you know, going to the movies when we couldn't do that. And you can see that if you've got like 5K or, you know, 4K. Um, but yeah, I would like to see the love being spread because that talent is incredible. But, you know, if you're gonna give the love to Ted Lasso, I wouldn't be upset either. Um, I wouldn't either, but... Uh... You know, going back to um, what Jen was just saying about um, Schitt's Creek, you know, that Schitt's Creek deserves to to be in the pantheon of great TV. Sure. And it mm. wasn't really, des um, but not to that extent, not to win every single category. Uh, so the win is going to now guarantee it that it is remembered and that it is uh, paid attention to in future generations. And that's a wonderful thing. But we know among ourselves that the... Uh, Average voters didn't really, it had gotten nominated the previous year, but um, uh, that they didn't really see it until it went on, the first five seasons were on Netflix and then season six was on Pop Channel, but they were watching it. The pandemic had just hit, they, they were in lockdown and there was this show that you kept hearing about called Shit's Creek and you got, and it's on Netflix and you should pay it up. It really won because of Netflix, not because of Pop Channel. I think we all kind of know that. 
But yeah. here's my hope for the Emmys in the future. I hope that they open up every single category, just like the Oscars, to 10 nominees. You can have 10 best pictures. It's ludicrous at the Oscars, for example, to just have five best directors. That just makes no sense at all. And in the old days, they used to say at the Emmys, well, the reason we don't do it is we've got to jam 27 uh, categories on the show. Plus, we've got to have seats for all of the nominees and all the network people and their guests and family and all of the networks uh, involved and plus uh, this huge membership. And so uh, they had that excuse in the days when the Emmys were held at the Shrine Auditorium, which only seats like 5,000 people. Now they're at the, now they're at the renamed Microsoft Theater, not the Nokia. Um, and there are a lot of seats there. They could seat everyone. So th that ex that's not the reason that they're doing this. Uh, they need to return to a juried system of voting where every single thing is voted on uh, that you can't vote on something unless you've seen it and then unless you prove it. Uh, they've had that system in place in the past. They've had it for decades. And that's why all those great shows I mentioned, one, they were given a real chance at a time when nobody knew that Cagney and Lacey was on TV. And they got through this Hill Street Blues was good, you know, was can't was about to be canceled, and all of a sudden swept the Emmys. Didn't just win the Emmys, so that was the days of the juried system. And I think they need. There's so much product now all over the place. They need to do that. Yes, it sounds great when the leadership says at the Academy, "Oh, we wanted to open this up to everybody and a democracy of vote." Baloney. We know that the uh, actors have not watched. That these 2,000 actors have not watched everything that was submitted. And I do believe, because I watched every, every one of those DVDs submitted, um, the Academy would give us Gold Derby experts uh, sets of them. They were really not great about it. And before that, VHS tapes, we used to get boxes of giant VHS tapes in the Academy. I remember Robert Bianco at USC. You're, you're dating yourself, man. You're dating yourself. <laughs> VHS tapes. VHS, man. Not too many of us OGs remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now it's a popular vote and now they've kind of screwed it up Emmys if you're paying attention go back to a juried system give everybody a real shot at this and expand the number of nominees to 10 expand the show if you have to do it it matters so damn it take your job seriously and let the best win alright everybody and thanks so much and Ethan Hawk. We're so sorry for you, Ethan. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 